Hi, this is John Henry Weston, co-founder and editor-in-chief of LifeSite News. I'd like to welcome you to this special edition of the John Henry Weston Show. We're going to be speaking with one of the most outspoken defenders of the perennial Catholic teaching in the Church. A medical doctor, a doctor of philosophy, and a doctor of theology, not to mention a Catholic cardinal, and at only 65 years of age, one of the younger cardinals in the Church. Willem Jacobus Cardinal Ake is the Archbishop of Utrecht in the Netherlands. In an article last year, Cardinal Eich lamented Pope Francis's failure to bring clarity on the question of intercommunion with Protestants. And I quote, By failing to create clarity, great confusion is created among the faithful and the unity of the Church is endangered. I quote again, Observing that the bishops and above all the successor Peter failed to maintain and transmit faithfully and in unity, the deposit of faith contained in sacred tradition and sacred scripture, I cannot help but think of Article 675 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, he wrote. That article of the Catechism, which he quoted in full, warns of a great trial that will shake the faith of many believers. It prophesies a persecution that will, and I quote, unveil the mystery of iniquity in the form of a religious deception offering men an apparent solution to their problems at the price of apostasy from the truth. Cardinal Ake warned publicly even two years ago that by failing to clarify the church teaching over divorce and remarriage, Pope Francis was, and I quote, fracturing the church. During my recent time in Rome at the Road Life Forum, where the Cardinal spoke, I had the opportunity to sit down with him for this interview, where we discuss Pope Francis, as well as Cardinal Ake's take on some of the issues in the Church today requiring clarification. I've let the Cardinal lead us in our opening prayer, so stay tuned, and here we go. Welcome to this special episode of the John Henry Weston Show, coming at you today from Rome, where we are at the Rome Life Forum, which LifeSite founded in 2014. We're very privileged to have with us today Cardinal William Jacobus Eich, who's from the Netherlands. Welcome, Cardinal Eich. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll begin, as we always do, with the sign of the cross, led this time by His Eminence. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So it is very good to be with you. Eminence, and you gave a, a discussion to, or a talk today about gender theory and about homosexuality, these very difficult topics in our world today. And yet for you, uh, both from your medical background as well as your background in, in theology and philosophy, it's, it's a very simple answer to the church. Can you give us very briefly what, what the position of the church is on these things? Well, the church says that there is an essential relationships between uh, some aspects of gender and biological sex, like being a father, a mother, man or wife, matrimony, you know, and uh, these relationships, sexual relationships always uh, uh, need to be, have a place in uh, marriage between man and wife. That's matrimony and that's based just on the, what we, uh, what God reveals of himself in the Bible. It's a triune God. And John Paul II, Saint Paul, John Paul II explained to us in his theology of the body that there is an analogy between the triune God and matrimony. God is a unity of three persons who give themselves totally to one another. And they differ in their relationships. And, uh, you know, you see a kind of reflection of this in man, created in the image of God, 
And also marriage is created in the image of God. There's the most intimate relationship we know between two persons. And these persons give themselves totally to one another, but they differ from each other. They are complementary to each other. Of course, in the field of procreation, man cannot procreate alone. The woman cannot procreate alone. They have to procreate together and collaborating with one another in sexual in sexual relationships. And this way they denote, they donate themselves totally to one another. And man is a unity of soul and body. Not only man, soul, not only body, is soul and body. And he gives himself totally to somebody else. In this case, in marriage, his wife. He gives himself also at the level of the body. And you know, at the level of the body, the most authentic expression of it is sexual relationship with men and wife, between men and wife in, uh, in, in uh, matrimony. And this has to be a complete donation. That means that you must be ready to give, a uh, man must give the mothership, motherhood to his wife, and the wife should give the fathership to uh, her uh, husband. You know, and um, when we block this by contraception, the donation is not complete. And a sexual relationship that always be uh, always needs to be open to procreation in order to be a reflection of what is happening in the Triune God, in this community of the three divine persons. That's the the basis for the Church's doctrine on matrimony and sexual ethics. Beautiful. Now, there are in the church today some among, even among priests and bishops even, who suggest a different way forward. They say the doctrine won't change, but they say there can be a different pastoral approach, a a pastoral approach that doesn't quite measure up to what the doctrine is. And and it goes something like this. They'll say, for instance, in, in Germany, some of the bishops even allow for this, where that they don't say marriage for homosexual couples, but they will indeed give blessings for homosexual couples. How would you react to that? Well, I would never bless a homosexual couple. You know, um, we must, of course, uh, have compassion with people who have problems with their uh, gender. You know, uh, who have problems with homosexual, lesbic feelings who feel themselves to be transgender, uh, transsexual, and so on, you know. We need to give them assistance as much as we uh, uh, can give. We need to support them in order to live uh, a life as celibatarians. That's, and you know, we, we have to take them seriously. Don't laugh about them. Don't reject them. They have compassion with them. But you know, the compassion does not imply that you agree that homosexuality, sexuality is something willed by God. You know, that's the other way. So we have, there are limits, but we, that's not real compassion. Eh? Compassion and righteousness need to uh, be together. Eh? They are connected to one another. There is no compassion without righteousness. So there are 
you know, norms for our sexual behavior. We did not create ourselves. Uh, we have a creator who created us in this way, who created marriage in a certain way, as I explained, as an image of what is going on in the Triune God. Uh, he is the model for everything we do, also for our marriage, for sexual relationships. So we need to follow his words, we find in the Bible, and which the church, you know, uh, teaches. Uh, guided by the Holy Spirit. These answers are challenging in today's world. A lot of people would criticize you for them, but you seem to be willing to be open to criticism as long as you're following Christ and, and doing, despite hardships, doing what needs to be done for the faith. One of those things that you did recently, um, I read you you were concerned with the Holy Father's answer vis-a-vis -vis communion for Protestants, and you talked about it publicly even, um, in very much in a way like St. Paul did to Peter, publicly talking about your uh, dismay that the Holy Father didn't bring clarity. What uh, led you to that? I know you've received some pushback already for doing that. So what led you to that? And if you knew beforehand the kind of pushback you'd get, would you reconsider doing it at all? I did not criticize the Pope. I asked him to give clarity. That's another thing, of course. And, uh, you know, all the cardinals are uh, special advisors to the Pope. So uh, uh, I've done my duty, I would <laughs> like to say. Eh? Yeah. You know, um, every Pope has his own qualities. And the Popes who succeed one another, they supplement each other. So this Pope has a more pastoral approach. Pope Benedict had a theological approach. Um, Pope John Paul II was very strong in speaking to big groups of people, to the masses, you know. He could stir them up. And so every Pope has his own qualities. So uh, I don't criticize the Pope, but I just asked for clarity with regard to some aspect of the doctrine, for instance, intercommunion. And uh, I asked for that uh, also uh, in the field of gender theory because there's much confusion now about that in church. I think that already St. Paul offers, yeah, St. Uh, uh, John Paul II did give all the clarities we need. This, so just teach, read what he taught, <laughs> then you will know the truth. His theology of the body, his catechesis, just at the beginning of his pontificate, but also Veritatis Splendor and other things he said about marriage. And, um, you know, uh, he, he wrote a lot of things uh, on marriage. Just read that and you will find the truth and the answers for our actual challenges. One of the, and my last question to you today, the church is facing very severe times, especially because of this abuse crisis within the clergy. Many, many people, even good Catholics, uh, have an aversion to, to clergy somehow now. And we seem to be in a real time of crisis also brought on from the outside, but, but also from the inside. There's a lot of division, even in the hierarchy. How are good Catholics supposed to deal with this situation? What would you suggest for them? 
Well, I should say that the church should do everything in the interest of the victims of sexual abuse. It's our experience in Holland that many pe not, not many people left the church for the sexual abuse affair. They did so because they lost their faith. Well, that's of course very, uh, it's a pity and uh, it shouldn't happen. But anyhow, that's why how it went. When uh, we had this crisis in 2010, I've received a lot of complaints in uh, you know short, a short time. Uh, and we uh, decided to ask uh, a well-known politician with a good reputation to investigate it. the sexual abuse problem from 1945 till 2010. He did so. He reported his uh, report in um, 2011. It was a very honest report with horrible details, I must say. So uh, everyone saw that it was an independent report and he uh, um, recommended us to erect an independent um, um, foundation with four pillars, a reporting center, a complaints commission, compensation commission, and a platform for assistance to the victims. And we followed these recommendations and um, this uh, Complaints Commission, Compensation Commission, treated some 2,000 uh, complaints. Um, in 2014, the number of complaints was getting free law. And, you know, uh, there was a final uh, date uh, for um, uh, lodging these complaints at the 1st of May 2015. And afterwards, we erected a new reporting center. So still people, hey, you can uh, uh, lodge complaints against people in the church, collaborators of the church, who transgress a certain code of pastoral behavior. And, you know, it uh, also implies uh, sexual abuse. And we still have a regulation for people want to lodge, you know, a uh, complaint which is prescribed. So we did all this in order to give a possibility for people, for victims of abuse, which was prescribed. They could lodge in a complaint even against uh, people who were dead, which is impossible according to uh, canon law and to Dutch law. So it was a kind of Coulant's regulation in order to help the victims as much as we could. Mm -hmm. And um, there was a final report of uh, this independent foundation. Uh, it was published the 18th of December of 2017. And we were able to present this report. Um, the president of the uh, Dutch religious in the Netherlands and the uh, I, as um, responsible on behalf of the Dutch uh, Bishops' Conference for the sexual abuse uh, case. And we could present this report in the presence of the president of the main uh, organization of victims. Mm. And many people were uh, supervised that that was possible. 
But the president the main, of the main organization victim was present and he was quite positive about what we did. Okay. So we did uh, uh, what we could. And, uh, you know, I think that I can say that the Roman Catholic Church in the Netherlands has done most in this field. And the minister of uh, security, he presented the, what the Dutch church uh, did as an example for the Jehovah Witnesses who are now facing the same problems and for other organizations. Mm. Wow. Wow. Excellent, Your Eminence. Did you want to add anything else for the viewers at LifeSite News? Well, you know, um, I hope only one thing. There's much confusion in the church, but don't lose hope. Christ is leading his church even now, in this moment, in this very now that we are speaking to each other, and he will do so till the end of times. The, the, the ports or doors of hell will not prevail against the church. So go on full of hope. And when you are still believing, be very, very grateful that you can positively and consciously live with Jesus in your life because that is the most beautiful thing you can experience. Beautiful. If I might ask that you would give us all a blessing, uh, your own blessing for us, that would be just awesome. Yes. Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I pray for you and pray for me. Will we do. both need it. Amen. For LifeSite News, this is John Henry Weston. May God bless you all.